0: Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger. And at Press Coverage, we're looking to bring in the sharpest guests. We're looking to find you the edges that you need to win in fantasy. And a lot of you guys are saying, win in fantasy, Theo, chill out, bro. It's January. We don't need to worry about winning in fantasy. Let's just worry about the NFL playoffs. But we're drafting. We're out here in the streets. And my guest today, Davis Maddock. Davis and I are participating in an early best ball draft on the FFPC called The Hard Way. We're going to dive in a little bit with what that is but drafts are going on i i saw underdog today just dropped two two new ones i just entered a bunch of eight hour you know slow picks in, in uh january and i am in a bunch of ffpc ones but the hard way one is always a pleasure this time of year and then we run it back usually in june for a 350 uh but davis uh welcome back to press coverage you came on last year and you we were like flag planting guys in the summer now it's a little bit different dynamic. Uh, what do you think about year long dra- drafting?
1: You know, I right now I've got a real hunger for it to be doing it. Like the like we were in that DM thread, and I don't remember who brought it up, but they were like, "Oh, are we going to do this?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, I'm in." Underdog just launched their contest. I'm like, "All right, I need to go cook up some rankings. I need to to get into it." Now, am I going to feel that way in two weeks, in three weeks, a month around? Am I going to feel that way in March? Like maybe, maybe not, maybe not so much. Might not be, might not be as gungo. I think it's because I was so into the playoff drafts. i gotten really into doing um, both iterations of of the playoff stuff. So that, that is like a fun drafting environment. I, like I, I love doing that stuff. So I I kind of have the itch right now.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love it personally. I feel like this is like a low-key good time of year for completing dynasty trades and also for these early best balls because uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like you get kind of, a, you can find an edge in early drafting, not in the room we're in, but in some uh, regular drafts, I mean, you know, free agency, you also have the NFL draft. I think you find some drafters that don't want to dive into the unknown. You can find edges there. Would you agree on that?
1: I a hundred percent think that's true. I mean, even just right now being a little bit more up to date on the rookies, having, having just thought about what sequence the rookies should go in for rookie drafts and then thinking about, okay, what are those sequences going to play out for their rookie year? Like, do I want, am I in on Braylon Allen as a the full rookie contract guy, or do I just think Braylon Allen's gonna be Brian Robinson Jr., where he is gonna be chewed up and spit out by year two? You know, I I think I, running backs, running backs just in general, probably having a a, a feeling like we're in this hardway draft, and I just took Cody Schrader with my yeah. very last pick in the 26th round. I'm like Cody Schrader, probably 93 times you play his career out, maybe never even gets a carry, you know, just ends up being Zach Evans. But like those seven times he gets on the field you know, he could be, I, you know, I don't want to say Kyron Williams. Let's call it, let's say Gus Edwards. Let's, let's say,
0: say, let's say Danny yeah. Woodhead. Let's say let's Danny say, Woodhead. A sure, some,
1: yeah, sure. Something like that, where he ends up getting 130 touches over the final seven games of his rookie season or something like that.
0: No, I, I love it. And I think this is when you take these little dart throws. And last year, I looked through our board from last year when we drafted. Well, first of all, let's take a step back. The hard people hear us saying the hard way. So the FFPC is a sponsor uh, here at Player Profiler, uh, and it's where I play a lot and Davis plays a lot. It's a it's a great place to play. We highly recommend it. Um, but every year we do sort of like an invitation only uh, best ball draft, and then we also have an iteration for the Hard Way, where it's uh, you know their 350 tournament, uh, which is you know uh, pretty similar. You have a lot of crossover in terms of the people participating in these two drafts, but it brings a really good mix of people who are either content creators in the industry mixed with some of the best high stakes players in the FFPC. And in this case, some of the best best ball players in the FFPC. So you have guys like Davis, who's very well known for content, but Davis also has a lot of skin in the game and plays high stakes fantasy. I was a high stakes guy. and now I'm doing more content. And then this year, John Daigle who everybody knows for content, but is also a really, really good drafter himself. He joined up. But we also have the Go Bills trio, which took down two FFPC main events. We have Abib Agbatoba, who took down two, uh, uh, at the time, football guys, now fantasy pros, 350 tournaments. Uh, We have Austin Martin, who has taken down the postseason tournament. We have Noah Riddell, who's one of the best, you know, really one of the best high-stakes minds around. Uh, I'm forgetting a number of guys here. Dan Williams. In, um, uh, in
1: like yeah, 2018, and Darren,
0: I think Darren, Darren Armani, Fantasy Mojo's in this. Uh, Todd, um, Todd Burrows from uh, Best Ball is really good. Best Ball drafter. I mean, we're loaded. I'm, and if I'm forgetting anybody, apologies, but we're not going to say all 12. But it bottom line is, it's really good. It's really competitive. And Davis, like you bring up the the unknown guys like Cody Schrader. But like last year, I specifically remember Austin, our friend Austin Martin. He took Jameer Gibbs in like the fourth round. And, you know, at the time it looked like this was a, a bullish pick, but it didn't look like a steal. And then yeah. a couple of months later, fast forward, you get those great values. So, like, you bring up a guy like Braylon Allen, and I had Braylon Allen as one of my flag plants, and I've seen you're on him as well. I, I think that's cool. I think we both see it the same way. Big back from Wisconsin, 19 years old, a ton to like about him. But if he goes at the end of the second, that pick you made is looking like money in the bank. Um, so it's like these big wide variables for, for a lot of these young players and even a guy like Malik neighbors, um, you know, let alone Marvin Harrison, Jr. I think the market's starting to get correct on Marvin Harrison, Jr. We're going to talk about him a little bit. You snipe me on him in this draft, but like neighbors, like Roma Dunze, a couple of these guys, they could be looked at as like huge bargains if they go in like the top six. So really, really interesting, uh, to look at, but let's start right at the top. I'm going to throw the board on the screen. And before we take a break, Davis, where are you at at the 101 right now? There's some people who look at it, and it's about as cut and dry as you think. It's Christian McCaffrey. That's the guy that's going to lead me to the promised land. But you, over the years, Davis, have been an age-averse guy. You've been a little bit of an ageist, as I have. How comfortable are you taking a will-be 28-year-old running back with your 101 when we get into like the summer? Are you there, or are you looking to pivot?
1: I definitely have been an ageist, but I've been a McCaffrey 101 guy every year, except last year, which, you know, it feels so, so bad given the seasons that, uh, that Chase and Jefferson had with, uh, with, well, I mean, I guess they were all, they were very good when they played. They were both just, uh, missed time with injury. I think the, honestly, the tiebreaker probably right now is that CD lamb just had his greatest season of all time. But I actually don't trust the Cowboys to stick to that super pass heavy game plan year over year. I think that when they have a real functional running back instead of Tony Follard, you know, no, no disrespect intended. I, I think CD might see fewer targets this upcoming season than he saw this last season. Tyreek has the same ageist problem that McCaffrey has. Jefferson may or may not have Kirk Cousins back by week one, right? Kirk Cousins was an Achilles injury in week seven week eight so he's gonna be pressing it to get back and then yeah I just think I think there are enough niggling little "Ah, I don't know how I feel about that there where I just am like yeah McCaffrey is he just like especially because when you watch him play you see no evidence of any kind of physical decline like it's and and you know a lot can change in eight months but my guess is McCaffrey is just going to be the same dude again 8 months from now.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to come down to like when we track like the FFPC main event or the 350. If we're on this trajectory, it's going to be he's going to be like a 75% of drafts he goes at the 101 and then you'll see a little bit of a mix and people trying to be unique and mix it up with with I think CD Lamb will end up becoming the chalk 102, but uh we're going to dive into that as well. We're going to get Davis's take on who is RB2 right now? We're also going to discuss early tight end strategy, and we're just going to dive through this entire board and give our, our thoughts on the best values, some of the best
2: selections, and we're going to cover it all right here on Press Coverage. Stick with us here. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout. But then they added challenges so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community and then you can browse the community's lines and say hey this guy's crazy i'm gonna take the other side it's cool and they have fantasy bingo rival fantasies reminded me how much fun i can have with fantasy football and use that promo code player the promo code is player they give you a 100 instant deposit match plus 25 plus a free play that promo code is player for up to 125 dollars in deposit bonus and a free play. You can't beat it.
0: Welcome back to press coverage. Theo Greminger with Davis Matic. Uh, we have the board up. If you're listening on a podcast, we're going to discuss some of the selections. But if you're watching uh, right now on YouTube, you can easily see it. And if you're listening on a podcast and you want to go back and consume this, just go to Player Profile or YouTube. But Davis, 101 Christian McCaffrey to our friends, the Go Bills guy, Bill, Go Bills guys, Dom and Sean. Just super, super sharp trio of drafters took down two main events. We get away from that one. Then John Daigle takes CD Lamb, and CD Lamb starts off the run of wide receivers. Uh, basically, CD Lamb, Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that's going to kind of be somewhat chalky for wide receivers one through five. Of those five guys, which gives you the most trepidation, or is it all extremely correct?
1: Uh, St. Brown would give me the most trepidation because that profile of guy is just going to have a ton of touchdown variants year to year. Like St. Brown's profile in terms of like target depth and route combinations and things is like much more Keenan Allen than it is Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Obviously we are totally picking nits here at, at the one six you know yeah actually probably the lions passing offense will will likely be even better next season than it was this season the thing you would have to worry about with him would be is 164 targets over 17 games uh is that is that the high end of his range of outcomes or does any kind of tertiary wide receiver, right? So that could be anything from Jameson Williams becomes a real player who is plays 80% of the snaps and earns a target share commiserate with his skill level or, you know, whatever the free agency move is. Because it's very hard, you know, as we actually kind of saw in that conference championship game, kind of hard to make plays on offense when you're having to dedicate throws to, uh, you know, Anthony Ferkser. And uh, Josh Reynolds, right? like you would, you would prefer those guys to be further down the pecking order. You know, like for example, I'm just looking at this board right now. I I think I'm going Nakua over St. Brown. I, I think, you know, and again, very close picking. It's the the biggest thing I have different than this board is I Brees might be to me like the third pick, the third or fourth
2: pick.
0: Actually, so let's let's backtrack on that one because I was going to ask you, you know, first of all, it's fundamentally. So Brees Hall is clearly your RB2 right now, correct? Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. So yeah. then
0: Brees Hall, because of kind of scarcity to position and because of his potential, you know, you got to think things are going to be a lot, lot easier for him as a runner. And if they keep him in this sort of passing passing down work, uh, these sort of target numbers in a much better offense, I mean, he could explode and be the RB1 overall quite easily. When do you would you start so start considering him in a draft like this? Are you considering him after lamb and ahead of that cluster of wide receivers or you want to make a stand for you know Jefferson and Chase still overhaul and like a and let's say Davis, you're a one ticket guy. you're not a drafting 800 teams sure, and you sure. want to make that decision
1: uh I'm going McCaffrey Jefferson lamb. Brees chase would be, would be my top five. I, I, which obviously the, the big question mark there would be Tyreek Hill. I just, and maybe I'll change my mind about that when it gets a little bit closer, but it's just hard for me to kind of go back and like reimagine the dolphin season where Tyreek is, you know, I mean, the end of the season, Tyreek's not even playing 75% yeah. of the snaps, you know, he's 66% of the snaps in the playoffs, Uh, you know, ends the season. His last, it's, you, no one would believe you if you said this. If you told people that the last 100-yard game that Tyreek had was the week 13 game against the Commanders, they'd be like, no way, that totally does not line up with what I remember about the season. And obviously, Tyreek is still a great player. He's in the absolute perfect system. Like, McDaniel's going to get him the ball. It's just like, a. it's really, it's just like, okay, it's a 30-year-old speed wide receiver and this weird kind of offensive setup, I, I don't, I get, I get some some weird feelings about that, but I I could change my mind.
0: Yeah, I I think I'm I think I'm with you, and I think that the pursuit of two thousand yards and continually playing banged up kind of took a lot out of him. Um, and we saw it at the end. Does that carry over to the next season? I'm not sure. Anytime you start taking a wide receiver like that at three overall, two overall, there's always going to be a little bit of risk when they're when they, you know, if he loses a single step. Uh, and then we also have to factor in maybe Devon A. Chain sees a much a much bigger role um and they want to get him more utilized. Jalen Waddle could take a step forward. I mean, there's all kinds of variables because there's talent on that roster. I like what you brought up about Puka Nakua because Puka Nakua is a guy which we all look at as a guy who really needs a lot of targets. Um, yeah. but there's no there's nothing blocking that. It's it's he's gonna get a lot of targets. Whereas I think he'll probably out-target Amon Ross St. Brown next year, uh, everything being equal because you bring up Jamison Williams. I'll also say Jameer Gibbs only had 52 or so receptions this year and Sam Laporta could easily handle 20 more targets next year. So it could be a little more balance. Your thoughts on Nakua and the value he presents.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the milk does not get unspoiled all that often you know that's kind of one of my guiding principles so that obviously pertains to cup like it is much less likely that cup increases his target share relative to puka Nakua's in 2024 than the other way around right so nikua's target share is just gonna be what it was nikua is younger you know like he and i just like I don't really have any concerns that this is like uh, Mike Williams, Uh, not the Mike Williams you're thinking of, the old Mike Williams, Oklahoma, Mike Williams for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation where it's just like a a one-year sort of blip on the radar. Um, Yeah, I just, I think like Nakua is pretty much set up to come in and come close to leading the NFL in receptions. You actually could argue he got a little bit unlucky in his star studded rookie the season. The he only scored he six touchdowns. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, he he had a better rookie season really considering the environment than Jamar Chase, but just didn't, ha- I think Chase had 13 touchdowns as a rookie. Nakua scored six. I, I mean, you know, that's just not, and I guess if I'm going to make the touchdown argument with St. Brown, maybe I have to do that with Nakua, but give him, give him 10 touchdowns with a similar yardage output. And you're looking at I mean, that's like, that's like the third or fourth best player in fantasy.
0: So the other two running backs, uh, so Brees Hall goes 10 overall, but we also saw Jameer Gibbs go 9 overall, and Bijan Robinson was your pick at 11 overall. Those two guys, what sort of value do Gibbs and Robinson bring for you at the end of the first round? Is this just sort of the exceptional upside, year two uh, you know, explosion type player that drafters should be looking at right now um and then talk a little bit about how you think Bijan robinson will will fit in on a zach robinson offense as opposed to the chaos that we saw under arthur smith
1: i mean yeah it's it's really it's like the simplest bet in the world which was Bijan. pretty much looked the part to me maybe you could argue the explosive runs the explosive plays weren't there quite as much as you would have wanted them um you know with him being a rookie but like was in a situation where you watch Bijan Robinson and you're like, oh, you know, whatever he got away with in the big 12, he actually can't do in the NFL at all. So I think there's a huge tier, like a giant tier break actually after these four guys after. So McCaffrey's in a tier of his own, then it's Gibbs, then it's Brees, then it's Bijan. And then to me, it's like giant. The, I mean, we might see a 50 point separation between Gibbs, Brees, Bijan, and then these next, five guys right just because their roles are so different in the passing game i mean put Bijan robinson in the role that kyron williams got last season you know roughly speaking in that kind of west coast offense yeah i mean he's scoring 22 fantasy points per game or something like that and obviously a huge part of this is thinking well yeah the 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 new coaching staff in atlanta uh is just not going to be stubborn about like okay we got to get Tyler Algier, these goal line carries, we got to get Corderell Patterson five t- touches a game, you know, and maybe they will, and maybe this will be a total wrong read, but I'm guessing that bringing in new coaches, I'm guessing that part of the interviewing process was like, okay, we just took this guy. What was it? Eighth overall, 12th overall, like just like, come on, we, we got to get this guy the ball.
0: Yeah. Eighth overall. And then Jameer Gibbs the last year's 12th overall selection just looks fantastic yesterday in the NFL playoffs. I think he's the kind of guy that might rise a little bit during the summer. Davis, are you, if Gibbs was on the board when you were selecting Bijon, would you have gone Gibbs over Bijan or are you a Bijon over Gibbs guy?
1: No, I definitely, I definitely would have taken um, Gibbs. I, I think, I think it's, you know, Gibbs is going to be the better per touch guy for almost their entire career, but it's actually kind of the same thing where if the governor gets taken off for Gibbs at any point, whether that be, you know, a Montgomery season ending injury, or maybe they just decide like Montgomery, you know, it's, it's the thunder and lightning thing, you know, like, um, like the chiefs when they went from Thomas Jones out carrying Jamal Charles to just deciding it was Jamal Charles's team and the governor completely went off and it was like, he had two of the greatest fantasy seasons you'll ever see. I mean, Gibbs, I think is, I I mean, he's young, so you don't want to say that, but I think he's that kind of player where he could kind of deliver like 24, 25 fantasy points per game.
0: Yeah, for me, I actually have Jameer Gibbs right ahead of Brees Hall because I I think, like you said, I think he could take that huge leap forward. And unlike Brees Hall, I don't have any questions about the offensive line. And I think that just the offense as a whole, I have less questions about. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a thing next year and, and elevate Wilson and Hall, but I don't have to guess. I know what that Lions offense is. And I'll say, Davis, as a mental exercise, if I would have told you last August that Jameer Gibbs has 52 receptions for the season, where would you have guessed he would have finished at in the RB rank in the RB scoring? It certainly wouldn't have been RB8 because the whole narrative for him was this guy could be Reggie Bush or Alvin Kamara out the gate and give you a 75-80 reception. So I don't know. I think it's incredibly scary. I think that might be the rational coaching to just get Gibbs a bunch of targets next year, albeit if it takes away from other guys, just because it's such an easy source of positive yardage every time he gets the ball in space.
1: Yeah, and fits well with. Uh, I mean, you know, fits fits well with Jared Goff's skill set too. Obviously, you know, for sure. uh, Goff, Goff, not a not always the most accurate down the field thrower. Obviously, the the I haven't even mentioned this for St. Brown or for Gibbs yet, and we definitely should, which is you know, Ben Johnson is probably going to be the head coach of the Washington Commanders uh, any any time now, now that they're, they're out of the playoffs. I, I expect that to be done in a week or so. And normally what happens in these situations is the guy who is his, you know, lieutenant, his next up, the tight ends coach or whatever, is going to get promoted to offensive coordinator. There's no guarantee of that. You know, he could, Ben Johnson could say, uh, yeah, I want to bring all my guys with me. And I don't think Dan Campbell's going to be the type of guy that's like, you know, going to keep anyone from fulfilling their dream or making their money or what, you know, it just seems unlike him. So we could be looking at, you know, I, you know, a Schottenheimer popping up or you know, you never, you never really know in these situations, like because the lines have been locked in on trying to win playoff games, but they could definitely take a step back on offense next season. That's really my only concern.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. And then you poured a little bit of cold water on this second round group of running backs, but one we should talk about in particular right now is incredibly polarizing in both dynasty and in redraft, and that's Kyron Williams. You brought up the Kyron Williams uh, workload and his usage. Incredible, the scoring, incredible, multiple thirty-point games, averaged over twenty points per game. Still is a young player. Uh, this was in year essentially year one for him because of all the injuries, but it was year two technically. Um, but it's a litmus test. A lot of dynasty managers want to get the hell out because they've seen this story. It's a tale as old as time. And then you have some redraft managers who think this is like incredible value at the one-two turn. Um, and when we start drafting these underdogs this week, Kyron's going to end up being like 106. Where are you at on Kyron Williams? Where do you see this story playing out? Do you think this is something, a player you want to avoid, this sort of profile or do you think when he gets in this like mid second, you got to take the chance?
1: Yeah, I I got to keep it real. I I've been playing fantasy football too long to take guys like this. You know that that now I've also been on the other side of this, which was the Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing, where I was still taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire as a second round pick um, after he really was not very good as a rookie and basically ended up in a like a three way timeshare with a bunch of other veteran running backs, but. By and large, you were gonna have a much harder time finding historic comps for Kyron Williams that end with success than ones that end with guys getting replaced, right? Alfred Morris, Philip Lindsay, you know it's just it's all they name name your favorite one year wonder in fantasy football. It was probably a guy in a situation a lot like, uh, now that is a good point that uh, that Mr. Toronto Dave made, which is that it's way more palatable for Kyron in season long. The thing I would caution people about is that you know Kyron I think is probably going to be very sensitive to if they bring in another running back they like even a little bit, you know, enough to play twenty five percent of the snaps, thirty percent of the snaps, because. The, the the workload that he was getting, I mean, it, it's, we're talking like, I, I mean, I think he probably played the most snaps per game of any running back in the league. And I I would have to go back and check that, but I'm going to guess he probably percentage of snaps like led the league when, when he was out there, it was insane.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's weird because the the whole, like the whole, you know, idea of Kyron Williams was, he was going to give you so much as a, as a receiver and you didn't see that to, to that a large extent. So I don't know. I think his role could develop next year. Right now, Sean McVay just loves him so much. But was it because of how ugly the rest of the running back options were on the roster? I think he right. really likes Kyron Williams. But I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one. There's got to be a point where I would consider him. But he hasn't been a guy that I would look to target, certainly in the first round at all. Um, but let's talk about the other four running backs that were selected. Uh, Jonathan Taylor actually was the first one selected, then followed by Kyron Williams, Devon A. Chain, Travis Etienne, and then Saquon Barkley. So you're, that's your second round, give you five running backs in the second. Uh, do any of those guys create any excitement for you, Davis, or is it all sort of a void at that cost?
1: I mean, I think this is probably like the most brutal right? actually very similar to how it was last year. Like what second round pick did well in 2023? Like they all suck. Tony Pollard ended up being on uh underdog and above average advance rate player just because he wasn't a total zero basically. Um, you know, Taylor's like you, like you kind of know exactly what you're getting at this point. Like, Uh, although, you know, the Anthony Richardson stuff, there was concern last year that Anthony Richardson would just be like a disaster. And like, clearly it's not the case. He's going to be good when he's in there. They'll have Minshew as a backup. He'll mostly be fine. A chain is like, I mean, he's the ultimate sort of, you, you just, I don't know. It's like, life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. it You know, because he, he missed two, he missed, uh, multiple times with injury. He had multiple different lower body injuries. He weighs 180 pounds. No one denies watching him that he's like completely game-breaking, unbelievable, incredible, talented player. But can he handle 280 touches a season at his size? Like, like truthfully, probably not. My guess would be, now, am I going to take Devin A. Chain a lot in these drafts? Absolutely. Because I can't imagine going through a season without like, for example, a chain versus Barkley is like not close to me, just given their offensive environments, ETN, you, you could, you could tell me that the Jaguars get their shit together next year, you know, and that they all just kind of stay healthy and that Lawrence is not like banged up and that like, it just all kind of works out for them in a way that it didn't at the end of the season. I I would buy that, but I mean, A-Chain is like just as explosive as ETN, but on the better offense right now.
0: So let's dive into one more group of running backs. We see no running backs selected in the third round at all. And then we see this trio of guys that will be entering their third year in the league that all had fantasy success success last year. I selected Rashad White at the 401. Then we also saw James Cook uh, off the board at the 404. And then Ken Walker goes at the 407. So all three of those guys, along with Kyron uh, and Brees Hall, entering their second years in the league, do any of those three guys get you excited or do multiple ones? I know you've spoke glowingly about Ken Walker in the past. Um, Do you still view him as your preferred of those three?
1: That's actually to me that that was a nice little pocket of value in in this draft. I think all of those guys are going to end up being more expensive in August, you know, than they are right now. Um, you know, Walker. It feels like Walker just defaulted to his ADP from twenty twenty three, but Charbonnet didn't really take any of the important work away from him. You know, he lost some third downs and stuff, but Walker wasn't really that wasn't really what he was being drafted for. Regardless, you know, like for example. I bet push comes to shove, ADPs that I think are going to drop here based on this board. I think Diggs ends up going way later. I think that Cooper Cup ends up going later. Mike Evans will go later. Um, Jalen Waddle will go later. I think you know. I think we see James Cook. If they make no addition, you know, so if they if if it's just Ty Johnson and whomever, you know, in the backfield, you know, no no serious addition in the backfield. I think he's going to be a riser white is a difficult one because you want to talk if you want to talk about a guy he's actually very similar to Kyron williams he's just like just based off of all the usage like rashad white was a is a good player N- no reason to bench him or anything but he's not like this phenomenal talent he so he's pretty sensitive for like workload related stuff but yeah i think i think actually every running back here from white all the way to I don't love the Tajay Spears pick. Well, we're gonna
0: we're gonna talk about Tajay Spears in a second. Um, but White, you know, I'll I'll say like I took White there, and it's sort of a somewhat structural. I like White in that range. I'm a little surprised that, that, like you said, he didn't go a little earlier because he had, you know, basically a top six season, and the whole knock on him being an inefficient runner, he was an inefficient runner again. But he's getting you like 3.9 yards per carry but he catches passes consistently and he gets all the goal line work. And I think they like him. So um, I'm, I'm in on Rashad White at cost. I'm in on James Cook. I think I agree with you. I think I'm in on all three of those guys when I can get them in the fourth round. Um, and I think that you're right. I think they'll actually correct. I actually wonder if the new, new regime doesn't talk up Ken Walker a little more because the Charbonnet pick seemed a little Pete Carroll. Now we have a new head coach in, in Seattle on the way we could actually see a bump for Ken Walker, so that's an interesting one. Uh, running back wise, the fifth round you get Isaiah Pacheco. That one makes sense. Tyje Spears, Alvin Kamara, and then we had a run of guys in the sixth round: Tony Pollard, which you you were not a fan of the pick in our league chat. Uh, you know, I I agree with you. I think he's pretty dusty. Um, and uh, then Ramondre Stevenson and Josh Jacobs. But let's focus in on Tyje Spears because Davis, this is a guy that I called um, this year's. James Cook, and Rashad White, you see Abib, uh, I think that was Bag Batoba. yep, it was Bag Batoba, who's one of the sharpest guys with receipts to prove it, on Tajay Spears there on that pick, and I've seen a lot of other, like, let's just say that there's a lot of sharp money, Um, you know, guys that are well-known high-stakes guys are really diving in on Taiji at cost right now, I'm also seeing it in the dynasty streets, where you're seeing a lot of, like, slight overpays, thinking Taiji is going to be like a summer riser. You don't seem overly enthusiastic about Tyje. Uh, Tell us your thoughts on him.
1: To me, it just seems like, well, I guess actually it's probably a good buy because it's pretty binary. Either his ADP ends up being higher than this or it ends up being way lower. And so it's a pretty good barbell strategy to take. But that seems like an obvious spot to me where there's almost no chance they go into the season having their running back depth chart be um, – julius chestnut tajay spears and kari blossom game that 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 is a that would be a big destination for a free agent running back for one of these running back you know uh a jonathan brooks a braylon allen uh whoever now obviously it's a little bit different because Vrabel is not the coach anymore so we don't you know we we can't we definitely cannot assume that this is going to be a team that wants to run the ball you know 900 times or or whatever um, so maybe, maybe Tajay Spears kind of is in a, an elev era, uh, a, a deescalated Jameer Gibbs style role or something like that, you know, where, where he is the, the pace and space back also the other, I mean, I think the Titans might just be like dog water, you know, they, they yeah. might just be, they might be one of the three or four worst offenses in football. If, if they make no addition at quarterback and Deandre Hopkins says, I don't really want to play for this, this terrible team anymore you know, it's Nick Westbrook-Akine and a rookie wide receiver and Traylon Burks. And it's just like, you. I, I mean, obviously we're we're dealing with so much uncertainty drafting this early, but the Titans feel like one of the least certain situations.
0: Let's manifest 130 targets for Traylon Burks because of necessity. I'm okay with that outcome. But Tajay is definitely an interesting one. Davis, now we ripped through the uh, sixth round running backs. I don't think we really need to dive into any of those guys. Josh Jacobs, I think makes sense there. Mondre, I'm not that enthusiastic about, but I specifically want to ask you about your pick in the seventh round, Javante Williams. You went Javante Williams in the seventh, and then Braylon Allen, who we already discussed uh, in the eighth. But Javante's a guy which a lot of people still have hope for. And then a lot of people are kind of moving on from their, you know, they're 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 seeing him a little bit more like a purgatory guy that doesn't offer you that massive ceiling that they had hoped for with him. Do you look at him as a wider range guy or was that a structural pick for you?
1: Uh, Definitely more of a structural pick. Like I just am sitting there in that draft and I'm like, well, I definitely, I need actually looking back on it. I I think I wish I would have taken Chase Brown instead of him. Uh, I just think like a better range of outcomes for him. Like there's really no scenario to me i mean javante once people start drafting and they realize that that like the broncos like i don't think russell be their quarterback and so it'll be like a little bit more normal there or whatever but like his ceiling is probably like a fifth round pick that's probably about as good as it can get for him whereas if you know when mixon is cut and they don't really add another running back like chase brown could get the tony pollard rise you know chase brown could be Chase Brown could be like a third round pick, actually. I think if if really looking at the board right now. Yeah, Javante is a structural pick. I, I think his role, like, literally probably remains the same. And it won't be P. Ryan, it'll be someone else. You know, it'll be Jaleel McLaughlin gets four touches a game and you know, just some, you know, Pierre Thomas comes back like unretires to come play for Sean Payton or something like literally it could just be anyone is, is playing the passing down. So Javante gets 180 carries. He gets 40 targets, scores five touchdowns and just kind of churns along.
0: Yeah. It's I, I, I love, I love your call on chase Brown. That was a really interesting one. And then there's a couple of running backs that, you know, I see in like the 11th round that I thought were interesting. The Kendra Miller's Jerome Ford, Nick Chubb could be a cut candidate. Uh and Jerome Ford showed that he can catch the football. I think he's a little underrated right now in these early drafts. And I liked my selection of Roshan Johnson, uh, getting him, you know, very end yeah, of the 11th at pick. the 11, 12. So I think we can move on from running back. But I want to get into tight end. Davis, you took the tight end one uh, off the board at Sam Laporta. So you started off with Bijan Robinson at the eleven overall. I drafted at 12. I went Garrett Wilson, A.J. Brown. And then you followed up with Sam Laporta. Let's take a bird's eye view for for tight end. This year, I think that the community is really excited about tight end as a whole. We have maybe more tight ends that we could paint a picture for making a big impact for our fantasy teams. But we're not going to see a first round tight end, even in tight end premium, even when we get to main event season. Would you agree with that statement?
1: Mm, I think we might, man. The people are horny the people are horny for Sam LaPorta. The people are also going to Trey McBride is also going to be a second round pick. That yes. that is uh that is at 312. That might be that might be the cheapest that he goes p- period, you know. Like if the Cardinals if the Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr and don't do anything at quarterback and they make like two good offensive line signings Like, people are going to be all the way back in on the Cardinals. People are going to be like, it's time. They're scoring 24 points a game. Like, it's all the way back. Um, Yeah, I mean, Laporta just feels like the net... I mean, Laporta did already score the most fantasy points of any tight end. Like, he literally has already been the tight end one as a 22-year-old. And yeah probably he's he might step back a little bit actually in terms of like pure volume if they do make a move for a like what if t higgins is is a detroit lion you know something if they make a move if they make a move like that but he actually was like not super efficient as a rookie so you actually would probably expect him to get a little bit more efficient just as he like learns the position and everything um like Hawkinson's most efficient year was actually the year he got traded. Hawkinson used to be like the the super inefficient guy who played ninety seven percent of the snaps. But really, what it was about for me was I was like, I'm not starting running back, running back. No chance am I taking DJ Moore here. No chance am I taking Alave here. No, I I actually almost took Debo, who didn't go until the three two. Like I just I so structurally I thought. Yeah, it's I, I the three guys who were in my queue were guys who didn't go to the the other guys weren't into the third round, it was Laporta, Debo, and Mark Andrews were the guys in my queue.
0: Yeah, and again, we're super, super early drafting, but I think the other thing you bring up structurally is if you're drafting near the turn right now in an FFPC and you don't take Laporta where you did it, like let's say anywhere between eleven and eleven and like fifteen. Like that I think will be his consistent range you're running the risk that you're going to miss out on your guy mcBride as well if you want to go early tight end Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey though Davis they go Kelsey goes at the two uh the the 209 and we saw Mark Andrews go at the 307 so both those guys go uh, right after Laporta but close enough where are you at on those two guys right now uh in terms of your outlook for them in 2024. I
1: mean they look probably to me like the two best values on the board maybe maybe just period right where Kelsey's production we're we're talking about a guy who's I mean look we're we're doing this we're doing this on January 29th we if we yes. we're doing this in 3 weeks Travis Kelsey might be retired Travis that's Kelsey right. I I actually think if they win the Super Bowl I think that's probably it I, I think he probably just calls it and says it's not it's not really going to get much better he's due a, a ton of money So maybe I'm wrong. I I think he's due, he's due like $16 million a season or something like that. So maybe that's wrong. But, but regardless, like the, 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 the years of Travis Kelsey being like the difference maker at tight end, I just think are uh, done. You know, he's just, it's, he can still do it. It's whatever happens to every great athlete is they can still do it, but they can't do it every down, every snap, every play. It's just too hard on their bodies. And we're seeing that in the playoffs right now, like Kelsey, on Saturday or on Sunday against the Ravens, made maybe one of the best two best plays of his whole career: catching a touchdown and converting this great third down play. But like, it's not that long ago that they couldn't get a first down against the Raiders, you know. And I, and told, I think
0: I told Davis before the show, I'm like, we're not going to dive too much into the NFL playoffs because every other show you're listening to today is. But gosh, that that third that that conversion that third down play was yeah. insane. That was insane, and then the the touchdown on Hamilton was just it was just. I mean, that was that was like the statement to start the game out, attack him, their best, their best defender, a guy who hasn't given a touchdown all year. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think they both make sense there. We're also seeing a great deal of enthusiasm for this rounds five and six tight end group. I've seen that there's been like an intense tight end. No,
1: they all suck. Kittle, Kittle and Bowers are the only ones I want to click. Okay, so
0: you're anti Kincaid in the fifth. I'm surprised by that, Davis. Expand on that one. Yeah,
1: because because the most obvious moves for the Bills this offseason are going to be replacing the need to throw consistent seven yard passes just to keep the sticks moving. Either Diggs is going to take a pay cut or he's going to be traded. They are going to take a wide receiver with their first round pick. I would I would I would make a wide receiver for the Bills first round pick minus one eighty right now, probably. Yeah, me too. Me too. And Kincaid is I mean look the the dude scored the dude scored two touchdowns the whole the whole season he did not have a hundred yard game he's like he is actually exactly it's so funny Kincaid's rookie season was like uh the the people who loved him got to say they were right because he played a lot more be, than they thought because Dawson Ox got hurt and was not very good but then the people who said you can't take Kincaid at, at this ADP because he'll just be a slot wide receiver. We're also right because that's all he was. He was like a pretty inefficient close to the line of scrimmage slot wide receiver. So there at the five, although Evan Ingram, absolutely hilarious. I I'm prejudiced against him too, because I just remember how bad he sucked forever. Fourth, most catches in the NFL. It's, I don't,
0: it's the, it's the question. Like when you get people, you're like, how many catches did Evan Ingram have this year? Don't look it up. And they'll think, like, he had a good season. They'll say, oh, he, he caught, like, 88 passes. And then, you know, you actually look, and he's like Jarvis Landry stats,
1: Yeah. yeah, um, Which on FFPC is is huge. Massive. Like, massive.
0: I, I uh, had a couple of dynasty teams with Evan Ingram that that all cashed. It was just, like, easy money plugging him in the flex or the tight end spot. I'll push back on Kincaid. I'll take a bullish approach on him in this fifth, fifth sixth round. We can butt heads on that one. But I want to okay. get with with Jake. Jake Ferguson, I think, is a fade um in the sixth round would you agree on that
1: yeah i mean it's just like they took schoonmacher in the second last year like they will probably have a better second slash third wide receiver than cooks Gallup. like it just i mean they're jake ferguson is like the dalton schultz you you know you could just get replaced at any time because your only asset is being on the field it's you are you're a very fungible player
0: so you're not buying the david and joku value here despite his incredible play to end the season do you view that as more of a that Flacco's was the way not going Flacco Flacco to yeah,
1: okay. be the quarterback because watson's going to be the quarterback and they're going to go back to 198 yards per game on offense
0: i agree with you on the brock bowers being exceptional value there i thought about taking him you know when when i was selecting the wide receivers i almost took him but i liked the a value of Roma Dunze and George Pickens uh, right there at the 5-6 made sense to me, especially structurally, but it hurt me to pass on Brock Bowers. Talk about where you think Brock Bowers will end up. Um, let's say Brock Bowers goes fifth overall to the Los Angeles Chargers to be Harbaugh's like <laughs> third weapon. Round You're pick. talking about, yeah, third, yeah round. third round pick. Okay, so let me throw out a, a, an uglier one. Brock Bowers goes 15th overall to the Indianapolis Colts, which I think is his floor. That feels pretty
1: good still. That feels pretty good still because his target competition is Josh Downs, you know, and running backs. Like they, they there's no there, there's really nothing stopping him from getting 110 targets as a rookie in in that scenario, right? I, I think the uh so I just am pulling up grinding the mocks right here. Yeah, his expected draft position right now is like uh eighth overall. Yes. So that leaves him, and if you if you actually look at the teams that are going up top, it actually is like a lot of spots that could be awesome for fantasy. Chargers, Cardinals, uh now obviously the Giants and the Titans would be a nightmare. Chicago, like, could be, you know, depending on what happens there, could be good. Uh the Jets could be amazing, right? If it's if it's Rogers, it could be, it could be incredible really the only spots you don't want him to go to are the are really it's just the Giants and the Titans you're just like then that's death
0: that would be awful that would be really really bad um the Titans one would be super super ugly but he would be arguably their number 1 receiver out the gate so i could kind of paint a picture there Giants one i would one um but Bowers definitely definitely looks good there uh i don't think we need to dive into the to the next group of tight ends i'll ask you a quick one though uh are you more into Luke Musgrave or Tucker Craft? Do you think that's closer than some people think, oh, I, or is I that think it's a Musgrave? Tucker
1: Craft man? I think yeah. it's Craft. I think Craft just played way better. Like, I think it's definitely a scenario where they're like, "All right, good. We we're good at tight end. Like, we don't need we don't need to. This is not a a position of need that we need to continue to address. They're fine playing both of them. They're fine rotating them. But it was a situation until Musgrave got that concussion." Where or was it a shoulder injury? Maybe it was both. He got banged up uh, a good bit, but he was playing like ninety percent of the snaps. And then when he got back from that injury, um, it was it was like he went down. He he came back from this injury and he was playing like thirty five percent of the snaps. Even in uh even in the playoff games, Kraft was uh was still playing a good bit. Yeah, twenty eight percent, twenty seven percent, and fifteen percent coming off of the injury where he had not played less than. 67% in any game before that. So I, I, I'm i actually more of a craft guy.
0: And if you're scoring at home, Luke Musgrave goes in the, the 12th round, and then Tucker Craft goes in the 13th round. So I, I think that there's a lot of um, best ball managers that are going to say, I'm going to look to grab both of them. It's difficult because they're they're going right around one another. I think I would attempt that strategy from like the, the, the one spot or the 12 spot. If I'm drafting at the ends, I could maybe pull that one off with the snake. And I think you'll get pretty good value doing that, especially in 28-round best balls. Let's pivot over to quarterback, Davis. You see your usual suspects. Josh Allen goes in the second round. Then Lamar Jackson actually goes as the QB2. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts and goes as the QB3. Mahomes goes QB4. And then we see the two second-year quarterbacks go QB5 and QB6. Is that correct? to be pushing CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson's actually like an easier argument to make here. Your thoughts on Stroud in the 6th round. Are you that bullish on him um or is he going to fail to return value if we're pushing him up into that range?
1: I probably going to need them to add another guy with Dell and with um with Nico Collins like you're you're going to need because he's not going to run at all. So Stroud's seasons of pay, it's kinda like actually why I never in years past have been a Joe Burrow guy in the the fifth, sixth round, unless it was like, you know, a best ball tournament where it's, you know, I'm drafting a million teams and I gotta have these stacks. But like I, I've i never actually I've actually never had Joe Burrow in a main event. Um he was on the the Go Bills winning team his rookie year. That's right. Yeah. Never, never had Joe Burrow in a main event. Cause I think guys like that are just those are like the worst prices in the main event, like the really elite. Pass only guys are are just generally overpriced. Like C.J. Stroud is pretty unlikely to score more passing points than Dak Prescott, right? Pretty unlikely. Like actually, the pretty unlikely to just outscore Brock Purdy. Honestly, points per game. I, I think I would be surprised if C.J. Stroud outscored Brock Purdy points per game next season the, the, I'll tell you right now, the ADP that's going to go the the lowest out of all these guys is going to be Justin Fields when he doesn't have a starting job in week one. Yeah. That's,
0: that's a spicy one. And I'll say a shout out to Nick. Also of the go bills. I realized earlier that I only said, Dom and Sean, there's three of you guys, you guys want enough money that you all three need to be named on every podcast and uh, continued success to you guys. Davis taking a bird's eye view here. You said you Justin Fields is the worst value here of these quarterbacks. Let's say looking at quarterbacks, starting with round seven, I took Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott also went in round seven. We see a run of quarterbacks in the eighth round. Then we see a ton of quarterbacks in the ninth round and a little bit of cleanup uh, in rounds 10, all the way down to rounds 11. Who are the the two quarterbacks or so that most uh, intrigue you uh, in in this kind of big grouping?
1: Uh, Got to be... Purdy at quarterback 13 and Caleb Williams at quarterback 19. I I bet, you know, again, August, you know, where we got a lot more information. Purdy's going to be like the quarterback eight and Caleb Williams is going to go high, man. Like right now, right now, people, the thing we're thinking about, it's like all, Oh, Caleb Williams. He, he sucked his last three games at USC and he was crying in the stands. And why did he wait so long to declare like, dude, none of that stuff is gonna matter in like four months. When he's the number one overall pick, it's all gravy. All these coaches love him. You see him in the preseason; he's he's ripping. Dark. I think just the thing is, is Caleb Williams is like amazing for some. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how any of this has gotten like that. Is just not the conversation about him. The conversation is like, oh, what should the Bears? Do? Dude, the Bears should just take Caleb Williams because he's unreal. The guy came in. As a 17 year old, not even an 18 yet, 17 years old for the University of Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler gets benched. Spencer Rattler, the presumed number one overall pick that year, gets benched because Caleb Williams is better than him every day in practice and then comes in and beats the University of Texas. Like, it just, like, the guy is so, so good. I, I don't know. It's, it's insane. He's so good.
0: Yeah, Caleb was my selection in in the end of the ninth, and I I really liked it. I think that, like, I agree with you. He's the truth, and he would have been the top quarterback selected last year over Bryce Young, over C.J. Stroud, over Anthony Richardson fairly easily. It's prospect fatigue, and people don't like the, you know, he's not, he he acts a little bit differently, but that doesn't matter at all in today's NFL, and it doesn't matter at all for our fantasy teams. Uh, It's getting way overblown. I think Caleb Williams, like, you bring up Oklahoma. He played at Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C., which is in the same league as DeMatha, one of the best high school leagues in the entire country. Starts as a freshman in high school there, and people are saying, whatever, high school football. I mean, you're talking about Gonzaga's going to have two of the top 10 picks in the NFL draft. He starts as a freshman there, wins the league on a Hail Mary pass as a sophomore, and then ends up being the mega recruit, goes to Oklahoma, like you said, then transfers and wins the Heisman his first year as a transfer. So he's he's an unbelievable talent i don't i think people are going way overblown um we didn't even get to any wide receivers so i'm going to make a couple of wide receiver questions get you out of here davis um i want to dive back into the second round chris Olave. that's a polarizing one in or out on him as a second round value right now
1: i'm definitely like in on him like theoretically but i just i can't imagine that Chris Olave really is the 11th best wide receiver in fantasy football. I just like, I think I'd rather have Nico Collins than him. I think I'd rather have Debo than him. You know, I might even rather have Rashi rice than him. You know, it's just like Derek Carr. And like, I don't, he's just going to be the Prairie yards guy forever. And he's going to be good. You know, Olave, you definitely are not like trying to like sell low on him and dynasty or anything like that. Like, I'm not saying this is some terrible pick, but, I don't know. It just that just felt that felt rich to me.
0: Yeah. I I I can't get there. And in Dynasty, like we have him highly ranked, but he's exactly the kind of guy that I want to pivot out of because this is a massive season for him. Like, okay, you know, rookie year we flashed, second year we get the incredible draft capital, doesn't really pay off, but flashed again. This year people need to see receipts, or it's gonna start being a trickle down. Uh one other wide receiver I wanna uh ask you about is D.J. Moore. Are you in or out on D.J. Moore as a top 18 pick? You don't really need to expand on this one.
1: Out. Okay, out, you're out. 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 Out with the information we have right now.
0: Is there a scenario over the summer, let's say Caleb Williams is a Chicago Bear, yeah, then you're I mean, in.
1: Then then I'm in. But I just, it's so, I think I, that all the information that seems to be coming out of Chicago right now is that they're leaning, trading the picks and running another year back with Fields.
0: So you already talked about how you saw Debo Samuel as a big value. Are you Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk next year? If you could pick one for your fantasy team or both.
1: I'm I'm always team, always team Debo. I just prefer guys who can get three touchdowns in a game. You know, fantasy football is a weekly game. I like lots of points in one bunch.
0: Here's a really difficult one for a lot of managers right now. Tank Dell starts out the season red hot. Looks like he's going to be a wide receiver one has like 5 games over 20 points points scored in PPR then he gets hurt. Nico Collins was playing great early in the season but then goes on an absolute tear. Gets two like 190 yard games, catches a touchdown in the playoffs. Now the the it, the tides have completely turned. It's Nico ahead of Tank Dell everywhere. The Nico train is is rolling. He goes 303 here. You're seeing him in the second round often. Where are you at on Nico Collins at the 303? Or Tank Dell went at the like the four seven. Which one do you think is the better value?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think Tank Dell at the four seven. I don't I like he's awesome. I love I love my short kings, you know, but that I just I don't I I bet he does not end up there. I bet I bet he ends up more like a seventh round pick when we are when we're uh in, in the season.
0: Depressing to hear. I hope you're wrong on that one. I want. I'm rooting for Tank Dell. I'm Big I'm time. rooting
1: for him too. I liked him as a prospect at that Houston. That's like my favorite style of guy is the smaller school group of five school guy who has like numbers that you would not believe, like 50 percent of his team's receiving yards. You know, like I I love I love dudes like that. I'm I'm totally rooting for him. But I Nico. I mean, Nico is a dog too. I I don't know. They're they're both great.
0: Okay, Rashi Rice, he goes at the 304 here. Where where does Rashi Rice end up being drafted at the end of August this summer? Is this about yeah. where or could he go a little higher?
1: No, I think I think basically from the 28 to the 3 5 is gonna kind of be where he where he lives. Uh now the the wrinkle there could be DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, one of these veteran guys becomes a chief, you know, via you know, whatever machinations that, that would need to take. But that is, um, that I think unless, unless there's a a big addition like that, that's where I think he ends up.
0: So we get Cooper cup, we get Mike Evans, older wide receivers, Jalen Waddle, Mike, Michael Pittman. Then you snipe me, you take Marvin Harrison jr. At the three eleven. that one hurt me a lot. I was just waiting for him there. Uh, talk about where you think Marvin Harrison jr. will end up when we draft in main events.
1: If Marvin Harrison Jr. ends up going behind like that, Cup Evans, Waddle, Pittman, right, I would be, I would be shocked if he doesn't, uh, like you know how they do the min max. Like I'd be shocked if he doesn't go at 18th overall at least like once, right? I I would be I would be floored, especially because I don't think the Patriots take him now. If the Patriots take him, all bets are off, right? In, in terms of his. Rookie ceiling. Like, if he ends up going to New England at three, then he could be like a seventh round pick. Honestly, like, it's like what we, we, you know, New England, uh, New England last year had one guy in the top hundred picks, and that guy didn't pay off his salary. You know, like, like they they were all bad, and I don't see any reason to think they're gonna be much better. So, assuming he's a, I mean, if he's a, if he is a Charger, and Mike Williams or Keenan Allen is not on the team for whatever reason or, or starts the season on IR. I mean, how high can he go? Like as a charger, how high can he go? Yeah.
0: To to the, to the Cardinals. And I'll even push back the enthusiasm and the steam on him. Like even if he ends up in like new England, we'll paint a picture that he's getting 165 targets and that's the offense in new England for whoever is quarterback. So I don't I don't I think that where you got him is a bargain. I think he's gonna keep moving up. Exceptional prospect. Your next selection was I go so it basically goes Davis takes Marvin Harrison Jr. I take Trey McBride and Rashad White. Then Davis goes right back to the wide receiver well with Drake London. This is before the offensive coordinator news. Now you've got to be feeling really good about that selection. Is Drake London just going to be the guy that everybody's going to steam up this summer as they get excited about his situation?
1: Yeah, that feels, that feels like Drake London and like Drake London is going to go, I mean, Drake London could probably be a second round pick again, assuming a quarterback change of some degree, assuming that their quarterback room is not, uh, oh man, if it's Tannehill, probably not actually. If no, it's, it's if not going to be run- Tannehill.
0: It's I'll tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be either Jaden Daniels and they sell the farm and get Jaden Daniels and we'll love that. Or it's going to be Sam Howell. Who's just gonna sit oh. there and some team's gonna pluck Sam Howell on a trade, which they're already speculating sure. that if Washington takes Drake May or they trade up for Caleb, then they're gonna flip Sam Howell and get uh, you know, they draft him in the fifth round, they'll probably get a third for him or or maybe even a little bit more on some team that needs a quarterback. So you'll get a better quarterback situation in Atlanta. All these people saying Drake London, your Drake London takes are wrong because of the quarterback. I'm like, dude, who was your who was his quarterback last year? It's gonna be better. It has to be better.
1: Yes. Yeah. I there there's almost no scenario where it doesn't end up better. Yeah, I, I, I think I think London is is definitely a riser. T Higgins at the four six, he could be a huge riser depending on where he goes. Neighbors could be a riser. Smith will just be a natural riser when people forget how bad the season ended for the Eagles, like when they just kind of you know, when they just move on from that, you know?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Davis, I told you I was going to keep you 45 minutes. We're already in an hour. Tell us one or two more wide receivers you like at cost in rounds uh, one through ten or, you know, further if you as far as you can see on the board. And then are you in on Calvin Ridley or was that just a structural pick? You took him at the uh, the 602.
1: That was uh, that was a structural pick, although. He's definitely going to earn wide receiver 35 volume. It's just, I don't know how efficient he he can be, you know, and it's not even a lock that he is going to be a Jaguar. Uh, I really liked the Jackson Smith and Jigba pick a wide receiver 37. That will be your classic. He ends up a fifth round pick by, you know, May, June, July, like Sky Moore. Sky Moore had like the worst rookie season of all time. Didn't score a touchdown until the Super Bowl and ended up, he was the wide receiver 40 for like the entire off season. Jason was better than that. Not that much better, but he was better than that. Uh, and Austin, your classic, both Hollywood Brown and Khalil Shakir, those guys are are guaranteed risers. Hollywood Brown in no reality will end up being wide receiver. He'll be wide receiver 42 at worst. And Shakir is going to be the wide receiver two for the Bills by opening day. Like, that's just going to happen. So maybe, you know, they might not even have digs. You know, it might be a totally reconfigured uh, Bills wide receiver room. So those were two really strong picks from Austin.
0: I like Austin's pick of Brian Thomas Jr. there. I think he'll gain some steam. I think he's gonna end up being selected in like the top eighteen picks. It's just hard when you keep diving into him not to see him getting that draft capital. And then I'll say Troy Franklin in the tenth just because I'm a big Troy Franklin guy. Um, all those rookie wide receivers. if you're drafting early now, you know, in best ball, dive into some of these rookie values. I think you'll like what you what you got. Davis, let everybody know what you have going on. Your basically your recording schedule for this time of the year.
1: Yeah. Uh So the take cast every week, it's going to come out on Wednesday undecided with the exact schedule for the off season with the sports grid fantasy football podcast is going to be, this will be out at least, at least once a week. We'll do rookies. We'll do dynasty stuff. It'll be pretty dynasty focused for the next, you know, three months or so where, what are we? 89 days away from the NFL draft or something like that. So gonna be a lot, uh, gonna be a lot of drafts, a lot of prospects, things like that. And then before you know it, it's crazy. But before you know it, we will be slamming all of our all of our action for 2024. It's gonna be you know it's, you're gonna blink and your gonna schedule's gonna be out and it'll be time to go.
0: Time flies by. Hit the hit the like button. Definitely follow Davis. Check out his work. Press coverage here. I'm doing this twice this week. Draft review with Davis. We're talking about the guys we like at ADP, and then I'm talking about 2024 rankings with Andrew Erickson on Wednesday. So look for that. Another press coverage, two press coverages this year uh, week on Player Profiler. Stick with us all off season. We got you covered. Uh, and, and enjoy the rest of the week. And Davis Maddock Super Bowl pick score. Kansas City
1: Chiefs 24, San Francisco 49ers 21.
0: There you go. 24 21. Kansas City Chiefs from Davis Maddock. We'll catch you guys later.
2: Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business.